They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two men power trip of Wrestling brought to you and powered by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash two-man power trip with over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, or your MP3 player. Try it today at audibletrial.com slash two-man power trip and stay tuned a little bit later for some suggestions and a little more info about Audible. And with that being said, my name is Chad and as always I am joined by my tag team partner primetime john paz and john today our guest on the show is a man who's associated with mystery and a man who is associated with some of the greatest build in the history of the professional wrestling business and that is ray lloyd aka glacier now somebody who wasn't given the stick and didn't get the chance to talk very much i guess my first question to you would be what are your overall impressions of ray lloyd aka glacier well you know it's funny you, you said you know, what's my impression of Glacier, a.k.a. Ray Lloyd. And when I first, you know, got the interview set up, I was thinking, I was like, you know, Glacier, he never talked much in WCW. And, you know, you never really hear him talk too much. But when you actually talk about him and talk to him, it's like, wow. I mean, he's such a great talker. And it's funny it's because this this is the guy that WCW never let talk. It's like they should have maybe let him talk a little bit and, uh, you know, show more of his character, his personality, because, boy, he's got a lot of character. He's got a lot of personality. He's such a great talker. And you know what's great about him? And he mentioned this, and me and you mentioned this um, off air when we were talking about Glacier, but it's basically 20 years later since his debut, and we're still talking about glacier so you know you could say oh it flopped or oh it didn't do great or 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 it wasn't what it was but think about the guy had a year-long undefeated streak in the hottest period ever in the history of wrestling during the monday night wars and we're still talking about him 20 years after the fact so it's it's funny with some of these guys it's like oh was it a success was it a failure the guy's still touring all over the place he's still doing all these autograph signings he even does it as he says in full regalia he does in full garb he does in full uh outfit so i mean it's awesome like i said you know i guess i say many times because i'm i'm you know i just love it 20 years later still talking about glacier yeah totally without a doubt i mean crazy to think that we're about 20 years removed from all that hype and all that uh, that build for Glacier and all the weeks of promos and the uh, the blood runs cold and, and all that great stuff but I guess you know one thing I could ask and kind of trying to be a little bit more democratic in how we approach uh, the career of Ray Lloyd but uh, what do you think one aspect of Glacier's run do you think would be the most overlooked because he does have some you know pretty good feuds that they they sync them up with there and i guess uh yeah what would what would you say is the most overlooked aspect of glacier's run yeah one of the aspects that i really think is overlooked on his run is that he wasn't a main eventer he wasn't 
you know, a, a jobber or, or like an opening card guy or whatever. He was just like mid-card to upper mid-card. And it's often overlooked that he's actually, you know, a pretty skilled wrestler. He uh, wrestled uh, in Japan, the UWFI, that certain style. So I feel like, um, you know, maybe uh, everyone's kind of being a little bit ignorant about it. And they're off, often overlooking his actual in-ring ability, which is pretty impressive. And... Um, his moveset, which was pretty unique and different at the time, because, you know, basically he's a martial artist and he's doing all this cool stuff. So I feel like maybe nowadays uh, it would get more appreciated with, uh, you know, MMA blowing up and and uh, kickboxing and boxing kind of making a, a resurgence here. So I feel like um, maybe more nowadays it would be great. And perhaps then, well, definitely then, it, it was totally overlooked and um, kind of underestimating the the moveset and the ability of Ray Lloyd, a.k.a. Glacier. Very well said. I, I agree. But, you know, we're all Monday morning quarterbacks as professional wrestling fans, and we always like to look at the what could have been. But if you could, what would you do if you were to go back and rebook Glacier? What would you have done differently if we gave you the pen and paper and let you rebook Ray Lloyd, a.k.a. Glacier? Hmm. If I could rebook glacier what would i have done differently hmm interesting you know what the first thing that comes to mind is perhaps during the monday night wars and and you know you got all that craziness going on with the nwo and who's going to debut and who's going to show up and who's going to turn and, and you know and, and you know hogan turns heel and hall nash you know the, the whole nwo thing i feel like if you're going to pump up a guy and you're going to make him debut it shouldn't be a guy that you know is not familiar with the audience, so I think that was a huge mistake. That's something I would have done differently. I wouldn't have done all those promo videos because you know you get those videos and stuff, and people are thinking, "Oh my God, who is it? The Ultimate Warrior, or you know, who, you know, who, who's who's the next big name to jump from WWF to WCW?" And when it was Glacier, people were like, "We have no idea who this guy is," and everything else. So I felt like without all that blood runs cold, and you know, our world is about to change. You know, all that. Even though that stuff was awesome, and, I, and looking back, I really thought it was great production value and everything else was cool. Maybe he wasn't the right guy for it because he wasn't familiar with the audience yet. So if you slowly built him up, it would have it would have been even better, and then he would have got over more with the crowd. But um, another thing I was just actually thinking about what I would possibly have done with him, I don't know if I would have made him a face. I, I think, I don't know, he's got such character and such personality. I think I would have made him a heel. And I think that would have worked very well. I think that would have been kind of cool. And, uh, you know, if the crowd didn't like it, great. Get more heat on him, more heat. I think that would have been cool because when he returned in 2001, did that whole heel thing with uh, Norman Smiley, Blood Runs Cold again, which I thought was hilarious. It was, I mean, it was like a parody of the Glacier character, and he thought he was a great superhero, and he thought he was famous, and he's given autographs during the match. I, I don't know. I just thought that was so funny. I thought that was so great and just showed his range as a character that he could have been playing a heel this entire time. So, you know, you asked me if, what I would do differently. I'd say maybe not pump it up so much during his debut. And to be honest, I would probably have made him a heel. Hmm, interesting. A heel run would have been great, a straight-out heel run, because we did talk about that. It was one of the first things we said when we booked Glacier is that we got to talk about that heel run with Norman Smiley, and he does 
give us a, a great little story about how the heel character came about and who pitched it to him. But with that being said, I don't want to give any more away. Please enjoy the interview and primetime before we get to a little two-man power trip of wrestling business. I must remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by Audible. And now if you go to audibletrial.com slash two-man power trip, or actually if you go to our website and click the audible.com link, you're going to get access to over 180,000 plus titles that you can download to your iPhone or your Android or your Kindle or your MP3 player. But there's so many titles to choose from at 180,000. I guess my question for primetime as he gets ready for not just a little info about Audible, but also a little info about the two-man power trip of wrestling, what's one book you would suggest to us a primetime pause? Audible is offering a free download to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Audible is unbelievable, folks, and if you're going to go on Audible, which I highly, highly recommend, one book on there that that is the most recommended that I could possibly ever give is the Daniel Bryan Yes Book. So go on Audible, go through our website, check it out, Audible, and check out the Daniel Bryan Yes, My Improbable Journey to WrestleMania book. You will not regret it. I could not recommend something more than that. Audible is great, and Daniel Bryan is a god, so please check out Audible. Now, for some TMPT business, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Rasslin Pal, and at Two Man Power Trip. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We've got a lot of great, great videos on there. Got some from Nikita Koloff, Kane, Jesse the Body Ventura, Jim Ross, Diamond Dallas Page. The list goes on and on forever, and please check out the recent video we put up of Kamala talking about racism in the WWF. Was Hulk racist? No. Was Vince racist? Maybe. So check that out. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. We've been getting a lot of positive feedback as of late, and we are loving it. So please keep it rolling. Keep it going with the positive feedback, and check out our feed for all past episodes. Also, check out the website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Now, without any further ado, our world is about to change. Blood runs cold. One of the most underappreciated guys in the business, a guy who's been around for a very, very, very long time. He's been in the business for about 30 years. The Glacier character is 20 years old. Think about that. So, folks, without any further ado, please enjoy a great episode. One of the best that we've done, quite honestly, with the legend himself, Ray Lloyd, a.k.a. Glacier. Please enjoy. Even though it's hot outside, you've got to know that this man's blood runs cold. And today's guest is not only a wrestler, but he's an actor, a stuntman, and quite the martial artist. He is Ray Lloyd, also known as Glacier. Thank you very much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, uh, it's our pleasure. Now we're we're here. We're about almost twenty years. Hard, can't hard to believe it's almost twenty years removed from the <laughs> Glacier promos that basically changed how a professional wrestler is pitched and debuted to an audience. But before we get into all that, because we will. 
I uh, just want to know, are you still following the business? And if so, uh, what's your take on what's been going on in the uh, crazy world of pro wrestling? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I still, um, you know, I, I've been in the business now for 28 years. And, uh, and I always say that I, I don't, as far, I don't ever plan on this, uh, ever saying I officially retire. <laughs> because, I mean, obviously there's going to come a point where I step away from being in the ring. But, uh, but I mean, I, I I hope to have my hand in the wrestling business until the day I take my last breath on this earth. I mean, I, it's a passion of mine. It's a, it's a business I care an awful lot about. And, uh, um, yeah, so I, I still follow it. I, I, I'm currently, uh, you know, I still do some appearances. Uh, um, I'm actually, you know, at the, point, at the point now, I'm getting back in the ring a little bit. I had uh, hip replacement surgery about, Going on about eight months ago, and um, and and I just uh, you know I'm actually one of the guys I had a business meeting with a minute ago as a physical therapist, and uh, he's kind of marveling at the fact that I've you know uh, responded so quickly and so and so good to uh, you know to the, to the the hip replacement. So, but yeah, I mean, and I'm mentoring you know a couple of young wrestlers and uh, doing seminars, and yeah, so I'm I'm uh, I'm very active in it. I, I don't watch you know as as much uh, you know on TV as as I'd like to. Um, not and really not so much because I'm not interested. It's just schedule wise. I, I don't. I don't uh, uh, it's not as high on the priority list, priority list as it used to be, but it's still on the list. <laughs> so whenever I can, uh, like tonight when I get home, I'll, I'll probably catch a little bit of it, you know. But uh, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I still like I said, I love the business. Uh, I, I always want to hopefully be a you know a, a goodwill ambassador for the business. Uh, it's been very good to me, and and uh, um, you know, and, and I've. I, I, I love the way some things are going in wrestling these days. Some things not so much, but uh, but I think um, it's a good the evolution is uh, is you know as far as you know the, I mean everything's going to change in this world no matter what. So you know you have to kind of adjust and you know be open to you know to to, to the way that things go. And and you know uh, WWE is kind of going one way with things, and um, you know some of the other companies are trying their hand and, and maybe trying to do some other different things, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, keeping an eye open to see what's going on and, and see who's doing well and maybe who, you know, the next, the next generation of talent is out there. It's always fun to see that and, and kind of see those people coming along. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, um, yeah, I'm, in, I'm enjoying, enjoying life and still, uh, still rooting for the wrestling business, so to speak. <laughs> now with the, with the wrestlers that you're mentoring and, uh, kind of overseeing, do you see uh, a big difference in the generation that's coming up now versus 28 years ago when you were starting to break in? You know what? I mean, that's a great question. Because uh, I was just talking to one of the, you know, the young talent. Of the, and I, you know, everybody throws a word kid around in wrestling. But, uh, the, the, you know, it's kind of easier to say the young kids in the business. But, uh, you know, the, the main thing that I see is, um, especially, you know, on the independent level, is um, that I'm just amazed at, you know, how many – people claim to be really serious about pursuing this, you know, at, at, to a point where they could do it as a full-time career. And, uh, and whether it's me or whether it's Tom Pritchard or Les Thatcher, and, and, and I don't in, in any way put myself in the category of like a Les Thatcher or, or Tom Pritchard or anything like that. But, um, but, you know, I, I've talked to them about this too, is that, you know, like those guys, you know, they charge very reasonable rates to do uh, a one day or two day seminar. And I'm just amazed at how many people, you know, don't take advantage of that. And and I, I think back now that like I'm a very big student of the game. I mean I I buy almost every book that comes out on on wrestling, uh, not just the ones on you know just reading people's careers and stuff like that, but you know like there's a lot of you know kind of how-to books out there, and and uh, and I you know I I read all that, and uh, and I bring a lot of those books to seminars when I do them and say, look, you know here I am at this point in my in my career, 
I'm still buying these books. I'm still trying to learn from this. Don't you think it might be something that you guys might want to you know, look into? So um, I'm encouraged by by some of the talent I've seen, but I'm also discouraged by the fact that there's a lot of, uh, because the business has become so watered down, and I'm sure you guys have, have had a chance to see that firsthand too, um, and, and that's not, you can't really point the finger at any one person or one reason for that, but, uh, but you know, I, I, people, they're not, they're not, it's not mandatory that they learn to be really, really skilled in the ring before they're allowed to get in the ring. And, uh, and because of that, you know, it's easy in, easy out. And, and I think that, uh, that they, they know they don't have to go to seminars and get better. Uh, so the ones that don't really care to, um, they don't. It's the majority of, of a lot of the independent, you know, scene and, and um, and I think you know the people who lose in the end. One, if, if anybody's really serious about getting into business, I think that they will take advantage of, of seminars and any kind of training that out, is out there. And there's with social media now, there's a lot of stuff out there. Like I, um, I don't really know Justin Credible very well. We've you know met in passing the last you know several years or so. Um, but you know he has a, he has a thing on YouTube called Pro Wrestling One Hundred and One, which is a really good video series where he's just you know talking about you know, the, the, the wrestling business and his take on it. And uh, he gets into a lot of specifics of things that anybody who's trying to make it in this business would learn, be able to learn a lot from. And I guarantee you 90% of the people that, that I'd run into have no idea. They have no, they don't even know about it. <laughs> you know? And, so, and, and it's just, uh, it, so that's a little discouraging. But, but then again, you know, some of the kids I see that really work hard and they want to, you know, they aspire to do this, you know, at the highest level. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to see that there are some that are willing to, to work because it is. I mean, it's a, it's a tough, tough business. I mean, it literally is. And I tell every young person I talk to about this business is that it's it's literally a one in a million shot, you know, to get to that top level. And uh, and if you're if you're okay with your career, you know, the odds are never going past the independent level. If you're okay with that, then keep pursuing it. But if you if you're in this for the fame and the fortune, oh, you're solely for that, and you know, do everybody a favor and get out of it now because. You know, your chances are you'll only be end up being that old bitter wrestler, and, and the world's got enough of those those guys already. <laughs> we don't need any more of those. <laughs> but uh, but I, and that's the I, I have a saying that um that I've said for years, and uh, and and, I, and I, I believe it with all my heart. I tell every young wrestler that that you know that will listen is you know it's okay to want the fame and the fortune. You just can't want that first. I mean, you have to really be passionate about this business, and uh, and you have to understand that. That it's it's a very very few people make it to that top level to where they're making a full time career out of this, but it can be done. And thank goodness now it seems like wrestling is getting a little bit, you know, back to where it used to be, where you didn't have to be six three two forty with six pack abs, which is kind of how it's been the last twenty years, you know. Um, and so you know Daniel Bryan's a perfect example, uh, you know. So when uh, what's the, the the young kid that came from the NXT that's now getting a real big push, um, Kevin Owens, you know. So I mean they're you know they're starting to basically branch out, of course, the, the Wyatts, you know, that you don't have to just be this bodybuilder, you know, ultimate warrior look, you know, <laughs> which is kind of, there was that period where if you didn't have that going for you, you didn't have a chance. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, like I said, it's nice to be able to, um, to, to, to work with some of the up and coming talent and, um, you know, it's, but I always try to, I always try to make, you know, anybody gets in this business, I, I, I'm amazed how many of you think that, you know, you can just, because you have a passion for it, you know, that, that uh, somehow you're going to get a break in a year or two. You know, can it happen? Of course. But will it happen? More than likely not. <laughs> yeah. You know, you and you know well, the, the thing that's crazy about it is, you know, 28 years ago, there was more than one major place in the United States where you right. could get your big break. And unfortunately, that's, uh, the landscape's a little different. You have your other outlets like, 
you know, Ring of Honor or uh, TNA or, you know, if you're really uh, some of those, you know, coastal indies have a, a big following. But, you know, the only game in town right, right now is the WWE. Now, as right. somebody who is mentoring the younger talent, is that really the goal of somebody who's getting into the business is strictly now WWE? I, yeah, I think it has to be. You know, uh, and, and if along the way, you know, if, if you can, if you can have a, a nice little run at Ring of Honor or, or maybe TNA um, or maybe Japan, uh, I, I tell you know a lot of guys like, look, you know, you could have a really good career in Japan, but you may never make a big name here. You know, and and that's something that you could be, you know, if you could be okay with that, which hopefully you can. I mean, and be open to that. That's a that's. I mean, you've had a successful career. You know, and uh, I mean, I, I had a great run in Japan with UWFI way before I ever signed with WCW. And um, and I remember literally about just a few months before I signed with WCW, I remember having a conversation with someone and saying, you know, if my career never goes any further than this, I had a, I, for nine years I had a great run on indie indie circuit. Uh, I had a great run over Japan. I would still have considered my career a success at that point, you know, because I got to, hell, I got to go to Japan. I never would have gotten to do that on my own, you know. And uh, I got to, you know, um, you know, share the locker room with some legendary names and, and, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's, and now with, with things, you know, being to where, you know, there is a system in place, you know, you have, uh, I'm in Orlando right now and, and, uh, but I'm uh, just recently moved back to Atlanta. Um, you know, you have that, the, the training center here, you have NXT, you know, which, uh, which I think is amazing. Uh, you know, it's, it's really turned into its own brand really. Uh, so yeah, there's, you know, there, there's, there's all that in place, you know, for, for anyone who hopefully has a passion for this and really wants to do it uh, for a career that there's, but that's, that's going to be the process. You're going to have to be good enough to, to make it NXT first, because, you know, that's the way WWE, you know, the, you know, the winner makes the rules, you know, and, and, you know, during, I was so fortunate to be there during the, you know, the, every bit of the Monday night ratings war from the very beginning to the bitter end, you know, and, and, you know, at the end, WWE was the last man standing, so to speak. And, and, and it's like, you know, Dallas Page who's like, I always say it's kind of like my crazy big brother. And he said it best, you know, the winners, you know, right, get the right to history, you know? And so, uh, so they, you know, they kind of get to determine how the story goes, but, you know, they have a system in order now. And if you have any hopes of going to WWE, you're going to have to go through that system. And no matter what, no matter who trains you, no matter what you think, you know, if you get picked up by them, you're going to have to go to to their training center. You're going to have to learn their system, their way of doing things. And, um, yeah, so, and, and, and that's the thing. A lot of people, a lot of people, most people in this business think they have enough drive to do all that, but most of them, and, and it's not that their fault. I mean, I don't, I don't fault them for this, but most people have no idea what kind of commitment it takes to really be able to do this for a career full time. And uh, I certainly didn't when I first stepped into it. I knew it was going to be rough, but I had no idea how, how truly, truly rough it would be. Um, but it was something where I set a goal, and I just said, this is what I'm going to do, and, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to put myself in a position to, you know, to make it. So, you know, if people, that's the thing. If people really, really, truly, you know, can look in, in the mirror and say, this is what I want to do, then there's a way to do it, and there's a possibility that you can. But you have to understand that if it doesn't happen, it's not personal. And you may have been the most talented person in the world, but for some reason, because this business is not solely based on how talented you are. I mean, you guys know, I mean, one of the main things is charisma, you know. So you can have all the ability in the world, but if you're if you're boring as a rock, <laughs> it's not going to do you much good in pro wrestling. So, uh, so yeah, you know, it, it's um, there's a lot of factors that come into play, you know, to to be able just to have a chance to to think, you know, for someone from WWE to take a look at you. But that's definitely the measure stick. I mean, and uh, you know, anyone who's looking to you know to 
to move forward in this business, uh, you know, they need to understand that. But but also, you know, I mean, like Tom Pritchard, this is what I tell every single wrestler out there. Tom Pritchard, who's an awesome, awesome guy. I don't, have you guys ever had Tom on your show? Yep. Yeah, well, Tom's, you know, you know, everybody knows. Anyone in the wrestling business who spent 10 minutes in the business knows who Tom Pritchard is and what he brings to the table. Former head of trainer WWE, he wrote a book. It's a one-year curriculum for, like, everything that he was doing at that time at WWE at the training center. And I look at every person that I talk to, and I say, one, you know, do you have this book? And, and most of them say, no. I, I say, well, you need to get it, like, immediately. It's 20 bucks. And and that's that's the thing. I mean, what are you willing to invest in your career? You're not willing to invest 20 bucks in your career to get a book that is a a playbook to how to how to to, to know what what they're going to be doing at that that level. Then you're not serious about this, you know. And that's okay. But just know that you know the break's not going to come in any shape, form, or fashion. But if you're not that, if you're not even that committed, you know, to to take that kind of step. And most people aren't, and, and it's a shame. I mean, it really is. I mean, and that's what I mean. Most people think they're serious enough, but from what I've seen personally. They're really not. They think they are, but they're not, unfortunately. And 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 I don't mean that as a, you know, a, a strike against anybody, but that's just calling it like I see it, so to speak. You know, we're talking a lot about training, and today, a lot of the guys that you're involved with and things like that. But looking back, the beginning of your career, I know you were a good football player. I believe you almost made it to the NFL at one point. But how did you actually get into the wrestling business? Um. Well, you know what, and uh, and I really appreciate you saying that, but let me clarify that. Yeah, I was a long way from the NFL. <laughs> I, was, uh, <laughs> I was uh I was very, very fortunate. I, I graduated I finished my in fall of eighty six and I graduated in the summer of eighty seven. And um and if if you remember back in his sports history, eighty seven fall of eighty seven was when they had the NFL strike. So uh just because of the fact that um, you know, through some people that, that I already knew, uh, you know, I was contacted about possibly, you know, you know, joining a team during the strike because I, I was a center, I was a long snapper. And um, and I'd already landed a, a teaching job. And believe it or not, I mean, if I look back on it, of course I would have jumped at the chance. But I was thinking, you know what? I just got a job, you know. And, and uh, I know I'm, I'm smart enough to know that, that my career would only last as long as the strike lasted. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm I'm just going to pass on that. Now, of course, I wish now. Yes, I wish I would have would have gone if it had been if it had lasted for 30 minutes. I, I would have loved it. But uh, but um, but you know, I was very fortunate. I played college ball. And I played in Valdosta, Georgia, at Valdosta State University, which is uh, you know a, now a Division II powerhouse uh, as far as their football program. But um, but there actually there was a and I was always a wrestling fan ever since I was little. My twin brother and I and my dad would take us to watch wrestling. We watched wrestling a lot in the Jacksonville Coliseum. So I grew up on the Georgia Florida line in Brunswick, Georgia. So back in the three channel days in the late late seventies and, and, and around eighty eighty one. You know, we were fortunate enough because we lived right there on the on the state line. We got to watch Georgia Championship Wrestling that would come on, and then uh, PA came on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening. But then Saturday mornings we got uh, Championship Wrestling for Florida, so we got to see both, and uh, and that's where you know I really you know started really watching and idolizing Dusty, you know, as as one of the best ever. But um, but when I was in Valdosta, um, I, they actually used to tape a a you know local wrestling show at the, there was a local TV station there. And um, and you know we were like like a bunch you know like college guys we would uh, you know some of the football players and baseball players we get together and they would tape the show on Saturday morning and it was a small studio I mean you could barely fit anybody in there and we get in there and of course we'd act like idiots and and everything else and uh, you know and rant and rave and, and but we had a great time and then uh, there was a one wrestler there it was um, uh, kind of a journeyman wrestler named Fred Avery 
Uh, Fred actually was a very good amateur wrestler back in the day and uh, is now a, a teacher and a, and a wrestling coach in North Florida uh, in one of the high schools. Um, but Fred and I became friends, and we started working out together at local YMCA. And Because uh, at this point, my, my wrestling and my football career was over, and I was just kind of working towards graduation. And, and he he had a ring, and he was kind of handpicking some people that, that he wanted to train. And um, and he actually asked me and uh, one of my teammates to, you know, if we would come try out to see if this is something we wanted to do. And uh, and I I turned him down, like, several times. I was like, I was like I'm not tough enough to go do that. <laughs> I'm a pretty tough guy. But I really honestly felt like I wasn't tough enough to, to get in the ring and, and even a pro wrestler. Because, you know, even as a fan, I respected – I knew – that these guys were great athletes. I knew that what they put their bodies through was a, was an awful lot, you know. And so, I didn't know one if I could do it, and, and two if I wanted to do that. And, but uh, but I can honestly tell you, thank God, you know, that, that Fred believed in, in both of us. Um, and we in April of '87. I don't remember the exact day. I just know it was April '87. It was the first time I ever stepped in a ring, and uh, and after he put us through the ringer, which he had, I think he really enjoyed doing. <laughs> we. Uh, um, I remember sitting on the edge of that apron of that ring thinking, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And this is what, you know, at that point, that, that was, you know, you have the aha moment in your life. That was a defining moment in my life where I knew my football had been my life up until that moment, to that moment. And, and all of a sudden, everything just changed. And I was like, this, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because I, even been, you know, I was fortunate to play in front of some big crowds when I played football. Nothing, here I was in a ring where there's nobody watching, and I, it, I felt more alive at that time than I ever had playing football. And and I was just like, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to be any good at this, but I'm about to find out <laughs> because this is what I, I got to I gotta see this through. I got to see where this can take me. And uh, and that's what, I was just telling someone over the weekend how, you know, I, you know, I was so fortunate to have, you know, have a, have a good run and, and, uh, and, and, and it was a great experience. But I never got into it for the fame of the fortune. I really didn't. I got into it because getting in that ring, whether it's in front of, you know, 50 people or 50,000, you know, which I've been fortunate enough to wrestle in front of that big crowd, and I've, I've had to wrestle in front of small crowds, you know. But, uh, but you know, it, I just, it makes me come alive. And uh, and that's the first thing that I always say to anybody who's looking to get in this business is, you know, I ask them, what, is it, what does it feel like to you when you get in the ring? Tell me what it feels like. You know, and, and if they stammer, stammer, they can, I can almost see immediately the look in their eye. If, if, if that feeling is, is anywhere near what I have. And, and and a lot of times I can tell real quick, no matter what they say, whether they're being honest or not. But I can tell, I can tell you, if anybody asks me, they'll see it in my eye, they'll see it in my face. I can tell you that that's what makes me come alive is being in that ring. And uh, and so, yeah, that's, I mean, and so the first time I ever set foot in that ring, I was hooked from day one. And you know, here I am, you know, almost 30 years later, you know, being forced enough to talk to you guys about it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, one thing I really wanted to talk to you about, kind of almost fast-forwarding just a little bit, but you had an original run with WCW. I believe it was around 1989. Um, I think it was around yeah. Great American Bash time, right? And um, yeah. I guess you, you were a little bit of a tag team run. You had some matches against the uh, Varsity Clubs, uh, Skyscrapers, Freebirds, and you worked with a couple great, great wrestlers in some singles matches. Can you tell us about your time then? I believe it was maybe against Butch Reed, and I, I believe almost 100% sure you wrestled Great Muda as well. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I just did a show, um, my first show back in the ring, actually, a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta, and I got a chance to, it was a six-man tag, where it was at a big church, a uh, big church event that they did, and um, I tagged with Tommy Rich and, and Robert Gibson. And, um, you know, and here I am at this point in my career, to me, that's still just as cool as you can get. <laughs> I've been in the ring with those two guys, you know. But um, but Tommy Rich, you know, I was fortunate enough to where 
came along in the late late 80s when I got to really experience the last bit of that territory system, you know, and uh, um, and it, it was, you know, it was such a big part of, of, of me becoming, you know, anywhere of a decent wrestler those first few years just because I was able to get all the reps in, you know, and, uh, and but uh, there was a, a promoter named Ben Masters who ran Pete State Wrestling, which was pretty much south in mid-Georgia. And he, but he, you know, not only did he bring in a lot of young talent, he brought in a lot of the established veterans like Tommy Rich and Ted Oates and Wrestling 2 and people like that. So, you know, Tommy got to see me wrestle um, I'll, I'll probably in less than two years. I mean, I'd been in the business less than two years. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, uh, he saw something in me. And, and he started talking to me and said, hey, look, you know, um, would you be interested in coming up and doing, you know, TV, you know, for, uh, you know, for on the Saturday, you know, that, that center stage. And I was like, and he made it very clear what my role would be, <laughs> which, which I had no, no, you know, no, um, no aspirations of anything above that. And uh, and and I, I was, of course, I, you know, and honestly, I was, I was thinking to myself, like, my God, no, I don't want to go do that. I'm going to get my butt handed to me. But then, you know, I couldn't say no because I was like, okay, this is what you want to do. You might as well jump in the fire, you know. So, uh, so yeah, so Tommy got me booked, and uh, you know, and it was just, I look back on it now, I got a chance to thank him publicly for the first time after that match uh, a couple weeks ago, which is a uh, which is a really big thrill for me, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he saw something in me, thank God. And, uh, um, and I guess what he saw was the fact that I could, you know, I could take a, take a beating really well, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I went and my first match ever was, uh, um, it was, it was when they were doing the, you know, the American bash tour and I was teaching school. So I'd gotten my degree and I was teaching, but you know, I'd wrestle on the weekends in the summer. So I had a, I had a paid vacation during the summer. To, to go do whatever I wanted, and because uh, I got paid over the summer as a teacher, so um, so I booked it. It was Albany, Georgia, on a Sunday, and I and I get there, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll just show up, and I'll sit in the corner, and you know, you know, this my own business, and I see on the board, it's me versus Butch Reed. And I'm thinking, oh my God, my career is over before he even started. He's gonna kill me. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but you know, that's one of my was really one of my first introductions into the fact that this is all about. And Butch Reed, I mean, could have broken me in half, and he went out there, and you know, and, and, and you know made it look great and, and didn't actually kill me. I actually survived. And so, uh, and then, uh, I went, uh, the day or two off, I went to Atlanta and, and, um, he went to the taping at center stage. And my first match there was against great Muda. And that's when he was with Gary Hart. It's when he first come in. And, uh, and, and, and actually the funny thing is like, even then, you know, Gary Hart was still, at least to me, you know, was working the fact that Muda didn't speak any English. And I don't think he really did back then. I'm not sure, but I, but I just know that, that, but Gary Hart went over everything with me. I never really talked to Muda, you know, other than him just kind of standing there, you know, with you know the three of us. And uh, um, and then uh, I went out there, and, and Tommy Young was the referee, and and uh, you know, and just you know, I I, I didn't screw up. <laughs> so and uh, and then Gary Hart ended up going to you know the guys in the booking committee and saying, hey, you know, this kid did a pretty good job. Uh, you know, when we're on the road, if you want to put somebody with with Muda, you know, just I think he's a good fit. So I ended up wrestling several times that summer. And, uh, but yeah, and, and of course, like you said, free birds, uh, back when Sid and, and Danny were, uh, you know, the, uh, what, the twin towers, Samoan SWAT team, you know, all those guys, you know, and, and, um, I don't know how in the world I came through on the other end of all that, but, you know, Samoan SWAT team, they used to hit people in the face with the pineapples. I never got hit in the face with the pineapple. <laughs> Samoan <laughs> SWAT team never like broke me in half. Like they did a lot of the other guys. So, I mean, uh, the twin towers, so, yeah, I was very fortunate during that period. But, I mean, you talk about a great – fortunately, that doesn't exist anymore, you know. And that's where I think so much young talent could really get discovered if they had that role of the, you know, 
the dial or the enhancement guy, whatever you want to call it. You know, and, and it's unfortunate it doesn't exist anymore. That is definitely definitely true. Now, if I could fast forward just a little bit further into your another, you know, another run you had with WCW, obviously with a huge push. I mean, you had the videos, you had the, the promos, everything was pumping you up. It was blood runs cold. You come back in 1996 <laughs> as Glacier to WCW. What did it feel right. like with that debut and that hype and that character? Did you like all of that going into it? I was scared to death. <laughs> I was scared to death because, you know, they had put all this money behind it, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, and it kind of happened by accident even. You know, but Dallas and I had become good friends, um, and we were working out together at main event, which was like this thing's gym. Everybody was kind of working out there. And, and, uh, and Dallas and I, you know, just, you know, he found out that uh, we were out Christmas shopping in, in December of 95. And, you know, I said to him, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about putting some martial arts stuff into my, uh, my gimmick there, what I do in the ring, and he was like, he's like, bro, that'd be great if you if you knew some of that stuff, but he didn't say stuff. He used the typical DDP word, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I said, Paige, what are you talking about? I've been studying since I was like 14, 15 years old. He's like, I never knew that, and I was like, yeah, and I kind of told him about all that, and uh, and he goes, you know, Erickson and all that stuff, and I said, I didn't know that. So, you know, he said, well, let me kind of, you know, give me some info, and let me run it by him. So, anyway, it piqued Eric's interest, and, and um, you know, we scheduled a meeting in, in, the, in January, and uh, I literally had like a three-hour dinner with him, and uh, he kind of grilled me up and down. I mean, very much in a good conversation. But he still, you know, I knew I was, I knew I was being interviewed, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, um, and at the end of that conversation, he was like, "And I want to sign you to a contract." And uh, and I was like, <laughs> and at that time, he said, "You know, are you are you still wrestling on the independent scene?" And I was like, "Absolutely, I'm, I'm wrestling a lot." And at this time, I was a fitness director of the Atlanta Athletic Club, was using my degree. I'd, I'd gotten out of teaching. And, um, you know, this is one of the like, top country clubs in America. And, and I had a really good job. And he basically was like, you know, I'm going to sign you to a contract. And, you know, you don't even have to quit your job right now. Let's just kind of get through some developmental stages, see where we can go with this. And uh, and so, you know, I was waiting. I was like, sure, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, excited. But then as that time was coming on, I was like, yeah, I want to make sure it's a, it's a decent deal because I don't want to leave this really good career I have here either, you know. So, um, but even though wrestling was my love, but uh, but I remember him saying to me, I want you to cancel all your bookings on the independent scene and totally disappear off the independent scene. You know, and, and I want you to come to our office next week and, and, you know, sign your contract. You know, it'll be a three-year contract, blah, blah. And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> I can like, cancel all those bookings and disappear. So that's kind of how it started. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, I could, we could spend, you know, to tell you the whole story would take forever. But, you know, the short version of it is that, um, you know, I got to know Canyon. Brian Clark and I were already friends. I got to know Ernest, you know, through through Eric, uh, and and we quickly, you know, kind of gelled together as a, as a really good unit. You know, Chris and I, it was like and Chris and I became great friends. I mean, he was one of my my very best friends throughout that that whole period, and up until you know he really he passed away. I mean, was he was still a very very dear friend of mine. But uh, um, but you know, the, for Chris and I, it was our big break. I mean, it was like you know, this is what this is it. You know, we, here's our shot. We're, we may only get this one shot. So we have to do everything we can. So we didn't take it lightly at all. I mean, we really, and Paige was kind of assigned to oversee it all and keep us all on track. We were at the power plant every day from like, like 10 to at least four, usually 5 PM. We'd all go home, clean up and usually meet at either usually Canyon's house or Brian and, and watch, we videoed everything. We would watch the videos of what we did that day. And then we'd all go home and we'd be back at the, at the power plant the next day. And we did that for months on end. So, I mean, even before we ever went on TV, we put a lot of 
hard, hard work into that. You know, just 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 you know, figuring out who the characters and the gimmicks were. You know, and who you know, and and just we wanted it because Eric's whole thing was when you guys go out there. I know it's you know like a video game come to life, but I want you guys to play it very serious. I don't want it to be hokey. I don't want it to be comical. I want it to be played very straight. And and let's just you know, it's never been done before. So I mean, who knew if it would work or not? So. Um, and I always say to people at the end of the day, and did it ever become exactly what I hoped it would be? No, it didn't. But you know what? It was a it was an unbelievable opportunity to to one, you know, break new ground in wrestling. Uh, you know, I still to this day, you know, I really if you look back on it, I mean, my you know, the glacier entrance was the one that really began the whole era of, of mega entrances, you know. So I can always say I was the first one to get that. <laughs> I was the first guy to ever wrestle with a with a colored contact. Now every other guy out there has them, <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, definitely the first guy to ever get, you know, to have a damn arena snow when I came out. So, but uh, but yeah, you know, there were, it was there was. But the other thing was during that whole time, you know, you know, could it have been maybe at a different time? Maybe would it maybe have worked a little bit better? Maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but you know, the NWO obviously came along during that time, and and everything, everything took a backseat to the NWO, you know, and. Uh, um, because they saw something that they could run with, they saw it was extremely popular and, and very much, you know, on fire at that time. So we did, you know, we understood that you know, as as that started to develop, we understood where the role would be. It'd be more of a solid mid card, you know, role. And we just we dove in with everything we had, and we said, you know what, you know, we're 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 going to make this as good as we can possibly make it. And, and I really feel like we did. At the end of the day, I was very very proud of what we did. Uh, I was very proud of the fact that you know, I was an active member of the roster of that roster, which is arguably one of the greatest wrestling rosters of all time, during that era when everybody was watching wrestling, everybody. So, so yeah, I was very proud of the fact that that we were able to make it work, even slightly, in a period when you know the reality of wrestling and the Attitude Era was was happening. So, you know, it's uh, and and just to know that, like even now. I'm even talking to you guys about it, even you know, almost 20 years later, is the fact that you know that enough of it endured, and 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 you know, with WWE Network now, you know, and and then replaying a lot of the stuff, you know, it's, it's kind of like getting a second run for for all of us, which I just so wish Canyon were, was around to see all of this because, you know, I I know how much he would enjoy it, but but um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's you know, and, and I just did like, and I still do a lot of the fan conventions, and and I, I'm one of the very few wrestlers that will actually do an appearance in the full costume, and. Uh, you know, when I see people come up who are grown adults now to say, you know, I had so enjoyed watching you when I was a kid. My character, let's face it, I mean, it was a superhero come to life, you know, from a video game, basically. So, um, but to know that, uh, that you know, that, that you touch people's lives, if, if nothing else, you made them forget about their problems for a while and, and, and just brought some joy to their life, it's the greatest reward I could ever, it's better than any paycheck I could ever receive, you know, from, from wrestling. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm very fortunate, very, very happy that, that I've had that run. And, and for 20 years, I've been able to, to be Glacier, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty remarkable. Twenty years later, everyone remembers Glacier. Everybody remembers the era. Everybody remembers, you know, the entrance and the outfit. But do you enjoy that uh, particular outfit and like all the, you know, as you said, the expensive production that was involved? I think it was you know what? Studios and stuff that was uh, involved in, you know, the production. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I'm honestly, you guys may be the first ones that ever asked me that question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question because I tell people all the time. I mean, that thing was not made for for comfort. You know, that that armor, <laughs> that that armor altogether weighs over twenty pounds because it was made out of hard rubber. And uh, you know, so for an entrance, it's no big deal for two minute entrance. But for a three hour appearance, it's a big deal <laughs> to be wearing that thing for three <laughs> hours. You know, and so uh, so 
so yeah, but you know, I, I actually uh, I actually introduced um, Andre Freitas, who was the head of AFX Studios. I I become friends with him that I just met through the entertainment industry through networking, and uh, and he did really good work. He was a young up and coming artist and just really really creative. And uh, I introduced him to Eric, and they decided to go with him, you know, to create the personas of all four of, of the gimmicks. And um, and yeah, they spent a lot of money. I mean, you know, from drawing board to finished product. I mean, it really was. A, you guys may have heard the rumors, but I can confirm it. I saw the invoices that he submitted to WCW. It was around around thirty five thousand dollars, you know, for the creation of the, the glacier look, and uh, and that was in you know the mid nineties. It was twenty years ago, and so um, uh, and 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 as I've gotten to become friends with Keith Mitchell, who was our producer at WCW at the time, he's been the producer for TNA, executive producer for TNA all these years. You know, I mean, Keith, you know, looked at me right now and said, "Yeah, that you know, your entrance was, as far as I remember, was you know, close to four hundred grand for that entrance, and it was a roughly." Almost ten grand every time you came on TV because we had to fly three, you know, uh, laser specialists out, you know, and, and uh, you know just to to make sure that it had never been done before. <laughs> so so uh, so he was like, yeah, that was a big investment in you. I was just like, oh my god, I'm glad I didn't know all that back then, you know. But uh, but yeah, you know, um, uh, but yeah, the, the the costume and everything. Like when I do appearances, the costume I can say this much was built to be durable because you know almost twenty years later, I still have the original costume. You know, when WCW folded, they never asked for it back. I never offered it up. <laughs> so, you know, I kept it. But, um, but you know, it, it's it, I still have the original, every, you know, pretty much everything. One of the masks that I still make the appearances is still one of the original three masks that I got back then. Um, it's actually the only one I have left now. And uh, but the armor is still the original armor. Uh, yeah, and, and thank God I, I look, you know, enough like I did on TV back in the day. I'm not like the 300 pound glacier bald walking around. You know, I mean, I look somewhat like I did when I was on TV. Thank God. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's a and with the WWE Network and them replaying so much of our stuff. I mean, it's it's a huge thrill for me now to 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 be able to go out and to make appearances and and still be Glacier, you know, because a lot of wrestlers never get that opportunity. You know, they they their their gimmick comes and goes and and you know it's forgotten almost as quickly as it appeared. So yeah, I'm just I'm so fortunate that people remember it and um you know and and, and still appreciate it you know i mean that's because i understand how fortunate i am that to be able to be in that position i really do now obviously at the time in wcw when you were there i mean number one in the world the hottest uh organization going and it was a huge part to do with hulk hogan and the nwo you know and obviously there's a bunch of other characters but i was just focused on them for you know for right now sure back you know there's so much backstage rumors about that time was it total chaos back then or was it a lot of political backstabbing what was it like being backstage with wcw at that point you know i mean you know the the wrestling business the, the word wrestling and politics always go hand in hand hmm. <laughs> but uh you know um you know it was uh it was crazy at times it started off it, it seemed like it was well under control um but but i'm sure you guys know from uh you know from just being you know connected to the industry I mean, there was, you know, there were contracts where, you know, Eric gave people creative control, you know, over, over what was done with, with their character or whatever. And, um, you know, and you can't have that. You just can't have that. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you basically are having, you know, booking committee write, you know, TV and then, you know, someone coming in and, and not to mention any specific names. I don't think I have to. I think everybody pretty much knows. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, yep. that, you know, they could come in and veto it. And so, you know, there were times when, uh, it was very frustrating, as, as just you know, because you know there were the overwhelming majority of the guys that were there when I was there, and the girls that were there were all team players. They really were, you know, and at least they certainly appeared to be. And and and, 
Um, but, but once again, in the wrestling business, everybody has an ego, everybody, me included. And so, you know, I just did my very best to keep it in check. And I think most people did for the betterment, you know, for the better of the show, you know, and, and the product. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you allow someone to have that kind of control over, you know, what, you know, their career, basically, you know, what's seen and what's not seen. Um, you're going to have some big, big problems. And, uh, and it got to be the point of where, you know, it was chaos on the day, especially on Monday Nitro. I mean, we would show up to the, you know, to the, uh, to the taping wherever it was and uh not the taping but you know the, the for the show and and um you know there'd be times when the board wouldn't go up until you know an hour before we we're going to go live and uh, and you know it, in order to have the quality matches that wrestlers need to have at that level you need to have a little you need to have some time you know to kind of know who you're going to be working with and and you know just just to get your mind right if nothing else and um you know i remember specifically we were doing a monday nitro in in the, the united center in chicago and the board did not come out. I mean, we're, it, we're, here we were, you know, getting close to 8 o'clock, and nobody knew who was working who. And and then, you know, finally they sent, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they sent Steve Regal and sent Finley out there. And basically said, go until we tell you to stop. And so here we are. We are going, you know, this, you know, one of the top-rated shows on, on television with, total chaos going on behind the scenes. No one knowing who they're going to be working. I mean, nobody knowing what they're doing. And, you know, it was just like, and that didn't, that wasn't, that was at its worst. But, you know, and but there was a lot of times when it was good and it was uh, it was organized. But, but yeah, you know, just with the, you know, with the guys who had the, you know, who were able to veto anything the booking committee came up with, yeah, eventually it was, it, it caused a lot of problems, a lot of problems. Now, speaking of some good times uh, you had there in WCW, obviously we were talking about Chris Canyon before, who was Mortis, who was yeah. a very, very cool character. I loved his, his outfit. It was so cool. And obviously yeah. he was Rath, uh, Rath, who was Brian Clark, and then James Mitchell. But what was it like working with them? Because that was actually a pretty cool feud that you had with them. Well, I, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I mean, you know what? The great thing about it was that that we we all gelled well as, as people and friends, you know. And, and uh, like I said, I knew Brian going in. Brian and I were already friends. And uh, we became we became better friends because of that. Uh, like I said, Candy and I became friends. James Mitchell and I became great friends. We're still I consider him a dear dear friend. Um, you know, he has a very successful karaoke business now here down in the, in Kissimmee, which is basically the Orlando area. And uh, so I try to go by and see him as often as I can. But uh, um, you know, and, and then me and Ernest, Ernest and I are still good friends. So you know, I think it was that was the first key part is for us to put our, our egos aside and say, okay, for you know, for the for the for this to get accomplished, for us to even have a chance of pulling this off, we have to, you know, all put our egos aside and, and make sure this is a team effort, you know. And so, um, and, and we did, we really did, and uh, and everybody just everybody dove in, you know. I mean, because this, for for I was calling Bandy, but you know, for for Jim Mitchell, for um, for Canyon, and for me, this was our big break. I mean, this is like what we waited for our whole careers. You know, Ernest kind of was kind of brought in, you know, which, uh, which was a good transition. It was a good time for him to be coming into that because he, it was something where it kind of catapulted him, you know, based on what he had done before and, and the karate circuit and all that. And, of course, Brian, it was a great thing for Brian because it allowed the Brian to be. Brian was coming off of WWF run as Adam Bomb, and he was a little disgruntled at that time. He, he needed something new and fresh. So it was, uh, I think it was good for everybody. But, um, yeah, I mean, and we, you know, we traveled together a lot. Like I said, even when we were not on the road, you know, uh, Billy Kidman was was a big part of our group. Uh, you know, so it was just, um, you know, we had a great time. We had a great time through the ups and the downs, and uh, and and that's, you know, that's the part that I wish, you know, it, it, everybody could experience. Is, is, you know, there was that time when we were all, 
we're making good money. We're doing what we love to do, you know, and, and, and we were making some great friends along the way. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those times when, you know, you kind of felt on top of the world and, uh, and, but you always know it's going it, to, it'll come to an end at some point. So you just enjoy the ride as long as you can. <laughs> and we did. Now, after a little bit after that, you had an undefeated streak for, I believe it was a little bit over a year. You were undefeated and wasn't, you weren't really, you know, a main event or anything, but you know, Mid cards, yeah. upper mid card. You were beating guys for years. So it seemed like you're on a roll, and then boom! All of a sudden, you had a little bit of a losing streak. I mean, uh, you wrestled yeah. Ming and DDP and Benoit and Goldberg and stuff. Did you um, feel a little disgruntled at that point? Did you went from a one year undefeated streak, and all of a sudden, boom! They kind of cut the legs out from under you. Um, you know what? I don't. I don't want. I wouldn't say I was disgruntled. Um, I just. Uh, I didn't understand, so I was frustrated. You know, and uh, because I always really prided myself, and so did Canyon. Everybody in our group, you know. Uh, that hey look you know we're 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 company guys will do whatever you need us to do just just kind of give us an idea of, of of where you see this thing going you know and and uh, after that first year and like we were it was I think Bash at the Beast ninety seven when we had just an an unbelievably killer match to to kick off the pay per view I mean the the match was was I think hands down the best match of my entire career and uh, and I would think that you know Canyon those guys would rank it as one of their top matches. I mean, it was one of those matches where everything just clicked, you know. And uh, and I remember Ultimo Dragon and Benoit, I mean, not Benoit, um, uh, Jericho followed us. And the crowd just emotionally was flat, not because of their match, just because, I mean, we had them, I mean, we didn't grab a hold the entire match. It was about a, like about a 12-minute match. And so, um, and, and it was just one of those matches where, you know, everything just clicked on all cylinders. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, it was frustrating because after that, you know, they just didn't seem to know what to do with us. You know, and uh, and even though we, you know, we were smart enough to know that, hey, look, we need to start giving them, being proactive, giving them suggestions on what to do with us. And so we, you know, we, we would meet and we would write down and say, hey, you know, what, what about going this way with it, this way? And it just seemed to be falling on deaf ears. For whatever reason, um, they just didn't seem to know what to do with us and they didn't really seem interested in, in any ideas that we had. And I think, like I said, at that point, I think all they were really worried about was, you know, what, what? How do we continue on this drive with this NWO thing? You know, and uh, and once again, I, I don't mean that. I don't think it was a personal thing at all. Um, you know, I I know that there were uh, you know certain people. Of course, the booking committee seemed to be changing all the time at that point. I think there were certain people that came onto the booking committee that uh, that were very much you know the old school traditionalist type wrestlers who maybe were not a fan of that that whole style. You know, the the, the Mortal Kombat style. So I think that might have played into it, um, but. I think most of all, they just didn't know what to do with us. They didn't know where to take it, and, and they just, for whatever reason, weren't open to any ideas we had. And we had some good ones; we really did. And uh, but um, but yeah, but but my whole thing was like, you know, when they, they did the undefeated streak, and I think it was like 14 months straight or something like that. Um, you know, that was that was cool. I'm not gonna lie; that was pretty darn cool. <laughs> but uh, but um, but you know, there came that time when it kind of ran its course, you know, and. And, and that's what I always tell people too, because people, there's, yeah, I hear, yeah, I've heard everything. I've heard, oh, the Glacier thing was a flop from day one, you know. And then, uh, then, but then, you know, I, I have a kid walk up to me and tell me, you know, that when they see me on WWE now, you know, on the network, and they just say they want my, I was one of their favorite wrestlers. I mean, so you know what, you hear all of it, you know, and, and you have to take that with a grain of salt. Um, but that, that's the one thing that I always remind people of is that, you know, whether people agree with that undefeated streak or not, undefeated streak took me to a point to where, you know, first year. Where you know I was doing something that was literally unheard of back then, you know, and, and really you know Bill came along and, and really took it to the next level, but you just didn't have undefeated streaks in wrestling, you know, and, and pro wrestling. So 
it was yeah, it was definitely a cool thing. And I was the first one to say, okay, when's this going to end? When's it going to end? <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of been building every every time we had a, a show going. Okay, well, it'll end today. So I was like one of the most surprised to see it run that far. But um, but once again, you know, I, I think a lot of it had to do with they weren't really sure what they really where they really want to go with it. And so Eric's thing was, we put a lot of money into it, just keep pushing it, you know, for right now. So, um, but and which was fine with me, obviously. But but you know, for over a year, you know, I had that. I was I was there on the show. It was, you know, that by that point it was really getting legs to be like the show to watch. So uh, so yeah, I mean that, that's what I'm really proud of is the fact that I was able to be there during that time, really have strong matches, you know, hold my own with you know some of the greatest talents you know the wrestling world's ever known, and um, you know and just be a part of that, just experience it. I mean, if, if there's one thing I wish I would have done, uh, it's kept a journal of all that, and but I didn't. But uh, but that's why I want to always remind every young wrestler keep a journal. At the very least, keep a list of the, of, the, of the matches you have, you know, because you'll be amazed how quickly they add up, and you'll have 1,500 matches before you know it, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, so you know it's um you know it, it like I said you know it's um you know, did it try to be everything that, that I hoped it would be? Yeah, of course not. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it was it was unbelievably awesome, too, you know. So uh, I, I did, there were times when, you know, like I would get, you know, we uh, we had a, um, I had a match that was in the Georgia Dome. And uh, when me and uh, Bill DeMont were going to work, Bill had just come back and he just signed a, a new deal. And they'd been negotiating for a few months. And and uh, and he was with Jimmy Hart at that point, and and you know I remember Terry Taylor was our agent, and uh, and Bill they wanted Bill to go over and give him a big push, and and Terry like looks at me. Terry has been a huge instrumental part of my career, you know, especially since the WCW days, um, you know, and, and I really respect Terry and admire him a ton. But you know, Terry kind of went pulled me aside and said, Hey, you know, do you mind, you know, that is that is that a problem? You know, I forget exactly how he said it, but basically he was saying, Do you mind, you know, putting Bill over? And I was like, no, are you kidding me? I mean, I mean, you see, I mean, Bill's like, you know, Bill's, you know, he's, I mean, he's a great talent. He's, you know, he's, he's I mean, the guy to be 320 pounds and move like that. And, and, you know, and, and, and it was his time, you know, they were going to push Bill. So I'm like, why would I mind? You know, I mean, you know, people did, you know, they did the favor for me. I mean, this is my time to do the favor. And, and, uh, um, and, and with that attitude, Bill and I went out there and had a, an unbelievably great match, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just, that's the one thing I think that, uh, you know, that most people in this business get caught up in. And it's one thing I always say, you know, and I would never say this in the past, but, you know, being that most people who are especially listening to a show like yours are, you know, at least somewhat smart to, you know, the inner workings of the business is that, you know, it, it ain't really winning and it ain't really losing. You know, it's, we're going out there to, 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 to entertain people and, and hopefully evoke some emotions and make them forget about their problems for a while, you know. And, and everybody has their time and everybody has a time when you have to help that person when it's their time. And, and that's just how I looked at it during that period, you know, when it was, uh, but then once again, you know, I got, you know, I lost to Goldberg on main event on Nitro. You know, how many guys can say they were main event on Nitro? <laughs> so I'm like, well, if I'm going to lose the bill, I might as well lose in the main event. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so true. Yep. <laughs> Glacier, a few years later, um, I believe it was 2000, 2001-ish, you actually came back and almost played like a parody of the Glacier character where you were very cocky and you were a heel. Did you enjoy your heel run with WCW? Um, yeah, I really did. And once again, I, I credit Terry Taylor for that. Um, you know, I had done the Coach Buzz turn uh, gimmick, which I absolutely loved. And uh, one thing most people don't know is I actually had come up with the Coach Buzz turn thing when I was on the indie, indie circuit. And Dallas actually pitched the Coach Buzz turn idea the Bischoff way before the the, the uh, Glacier thing ever came to came to life. 
<laughs> so I just what I did was when I saw that you know they were not using this a lot and the booking committee was changing and you know I started to see the writing on the wall that that if they didn't have anything for us we might get cut loose. So I hired a um, I, hired, I hired a buddy of mine who was a director and, and a filmmaker and we shot you know a bunch of footage and 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 he ended up editing like at least eight like broadcast ready vignettes for the for the Coach Bus Stern thing and then and because some of the powers that would be were there which. Once again, it could be another whole show. You know, they didn't push that for long. So once that, and then the booking committee changed again. And so they were like, Terry, Terry was on the booking committee at that point. He was like, and I was like, look, Terry, I'm, I'm trying to come up with ideas. I, you know, I, you know, I want to, I want to stay on the roster. And he knew how much I did, you know, how hard I worked and, and how much it meant to me. And he just came up. So was, they were looking at that point. They you know, had Norman and Norman was kind of getting some traction. Norman smiling, you know, with the wiggle thing and all that. And so he came up with the idea and said, you know, he said, he said, I've always thought the Glacier thing was kind of like, obviously, like a superhero thing. He said, what if, what if the Glacier came back as a guy who actually you know, went away for a while and he came back and he actually really believed the superhero stuff. He believed that he was, he believed the hype. You know, he believed he was a superhero. <laughs> and, uh, but this time, you know, because of that, it makes him more of like a heel, like an arrogant heel. And, and so we talked about it and uh, just me and him. I mean, he didn't really tell anybody else and, and I didn't tell anybody else. And so I actually, once again, went out, spent some of my own money, I had a, a, a special effects person. Um, I didn't even go to, to AFX because I wanted to make sure it was kept a secret. And I had them do a new armor, a new mask, everything, and uh, and and did it pretty quickly, actually, even though it was all done, you know, original. And um, I came up with a promo and uh, and worked with Terry on it. Ran it by Terry. He loved it. It was about a one-minute promo of me as this cocky glacier. And so Terry came up with the idea for me to go to the booking committee meeting. And basically hide out in the closet, <laughs> and so, and he was gonna have me like kind of bust through the door, in the uniform, do the promo, and then leave, and just say, and then he was gonna tell everybody you know what he and I had come up with. So there, you know, this is when um, Russo and them, I think, it just started, and uh, if I remember correctly. And uh, anyway, so they all sit down at the, at the meeting, and uh, and Disco, who's one of my good buddies, who's still a good buddy of mine, Louis uh, Bonetti, he was on the committee at the time, and uh, and. Before they got started, Terry goes, "Hey guys, I want you to hear something before I before we get going here, and tell me what you think." So he, he had a boombox sitting by his by his chair. He hit the button and it played my interest music, and I went let it play for about twenty seconds, and I bust out of the closet. It was basically like the broom closet in the, in the meeting room, and I go around to this promo of me as kind of like the, the the overly you know cocky you know glacier superhero type thing. Disco is like he didn't even know what he did. He laughing so hard he literally fell out of his chair and uh and so and i did the promo i made my way to the front door and as soon as i finished i shut the door and literally went out to my car got my car and drove home and uh and that's what terry told me to do and he called me like later that day and he says they love it you're back on board <laughs> you know i mean not that i wasn't on board i was still on the payroll but i'm back you know in the mix and uh that's how it started and um and once again you know i'm sure you guys know with the with the russo era i mean things were changing all the time, so they would come up with ideas and they would start them, and then all of a sudden, for no reason, they just stop them. <laughs> and that's really kind of what happened with with me and Norman. And uh, to this day, I mean, I just saw Norman, um, you know, uh, at, at Dusty's uh, memorial service, and we just you know, we had a good laugh about the fact that it didn't wasn't that long of a run, but God, we had so much fun with it. And I really wish it would have gotten more mileage than what they what they allowed it to have. Completely agree. It's uh, it's definitely one of the things that John and I both discussed uh, when we were scheduling you. We were uh, that was on the top of the list because we definitely loved that heel run. But as we wind down here and we're finishing up, uh, just quickly, if you could, 
I know it's hard to, to get it down to uh, one or two or what, but what would be your favorite match of all time? And actually, who would also be your favorite opponent? You mean one like like if I if I could pick someone to wrestle or or, or my, if my you favorite could, match whichever yeah if you could pick somebody or or you know okay. if you could uh, figure out who would be your favorite opponent of all time. Um, you know, I, I as I mentioned earlier, my my all time favorite match um, that I ever wrestled was Bash of the Beast '97 uh, pay per view because it was just you know everything it was just one of those magical matches where everything worked you know but. Um, if, I mean, Dream Match, I've always said because I've been such a big fan of his. And, I, and ironically, I've never really gotten to know him over the years. I've, I've met him and talked to him, but never really gotten to know him. Uh, if I could wrestle anybody, uh, it would be Ricky Steamboat. I, I'd love to wrestle a match with Ricky Steamboat just because I just consider him one of the greatest ever, you know. And uh, I'd love to be able to say, you know, that and have that on tape and say, you know, I, I had a chance to – all I had to do – because in a match like that, I, I was two things I had to do is – Listen and not mess up. <laughs> it's a, but uh, but no, I mean, you know, there, there's there's a long list of people that, that I would love to have have wrestled that I didn't get a chance to. But he's really at the top of the list. I just so admire him as a you know, what he's contributed to professional wrestling, and uh, um, and you know, I, I I just think he's one of those guys that that you know that he, that, that every young wrestler should should definitely study just because of the fact that he was so technically sound. He had that great balance of charisma and, and superhero look and all that. He just he had everything. He had everything, and uh, um, you know, and, and he just I think that's why he's that's why he's had the career he's had. That's why he's a Hall of Famer, and and uh, you know, and, and hopefully will going to be remembered for as long as wrestling's around because he's was that good. So that would be my one dream match. I mean, like I said, he's the top of the heap. There's there's several others, <laughs> but he's at the top of the heap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Of course, you can't go wrong with uh, with the dragon. But uh, you mentioned a career, and we set it up the top about how the Glacier uh, character and debut and, and all the promos changed the way that a superstar is debuted. But what would you say the legacy of Glacier would be on the wrestling business when you say uh, when you look back and uh, close the book and it's all done? Um, you know, I, I'd like I like people to to have remembered that. That, that it wasn't just a fluke. It wasn't a joke. You know, uh, I, I would like for people, and, and that's what, that's the feeling I get from most people I talk to. And I, and I feel it's a genuine thing is that, is that it was, it was that, that we, we were in a position where, you know, we fully understood that we were trying to break new ground in wrestling, you know, by doing something that had never been done. And we fully understood that it could fall flat on its face or it could have been wildly successful. I think it landed somewhere in the middle. And, and I'm, and I, but I tell you what, I mean, to to know that like, you know, people who that I see all the time in the wrestling business, you know, when they come up to me and wrestling fans that say that that I brought some joy to their life, you know, just for even a brief period of time, if that's what I'm remembered for, if that's what Glacier is remembered for, which I really have tried so hard for that to be what it's remembered for, then you know, then I've, I've done my job, you know, and that, and that's what I'm really most proud of is is bringing joy to people for however long that period was, you know, and, um, and that's why I got into it. I mean, I, that's, that's, I think, I hope that's why everybody gets into this business is to get out there and, and perform at a level where you make people you suspend disbelief. You make people forget about the problems that they're going to go home to just for a little while, you know? And, uh, and, and I think that, like I said, I think Glacier has fallen somewhere in the middle there. And, um, and that's, and I'm, I'm happy and proud of that. <laughs> that's pretty much how I kind of, kind of label it. Oh yeah, totally. I completely agree with you. You should, you should love it because I know it's uh, it's it's very very easy 
to just say how great the whole entire run was as Glacier when you think about how off, how big it was built up. But if you could share with us as we wind this down here, and yeah. thank you again for joining us, but could share with us where we could find everything there is for you, uh, upcoming events, bookings, uh, where can we find Glacier? Um, you know, I'm on Facebook. I'm getting ready to, to, to launch a – hopefully, you know, I, I've kind of always sidestepped social media – but now that I'm getting back, now that WWE is rebroadcasting so much of our things, I'm I'm getting I'm working with a social media person, so I'm getting ready to come up with a personal website. And uh, but anybody can find me on Facebook. It's just um, you know it, for, Facebook you know forward slash Ray Lloyd one two six, which was my dad's badge number, who was a state trooper. So or just you know I think if you just type in Ray Lloyd, mine usually comes up one of the ones at the top. But uh, um, yeah, I leave my contact info on there, which is and I put my mailing address so people. You know, I, I, one of the biggest thrills of my day is when I go to the mailbox and I see that someone has sent me fan mail. You know, you know, 15 years after I haven't been on TV for, for forever. You know, and it, that that just I can't say how much that makes my day. So, so if anybody needs to reach out to me, they can reach, they can find me on Facebook for right now. But I will be uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter at I am Glacier at I am Glacier. Um, I'm still trying to figure the old Twitter thing out, but <laughs> you know, so, but. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and if anybody needs to receive, by all means, I'm, I'm, I'm taking bookies for appearances and, and for wrestling. Uh, as, as long as it's, uh, you know, they understand that I'm 51 these days. I'm not, not 28 anymore. But, <laughs> but I can still do most of everything I can do by then. And, uh, yeah, and then I'm doing uh, a good bit of acting. I've done some – I've been very fortunate. Uh, um, that's one of the reasons I moved back to Atlanta to be closer to my mom. She's uh, going through some health issues. and But, uh, but also, um, you know, Atlanta's – the hotbed for TV and film, or Georgia is these days, and so uh, I've, I'm uh, reconnected with my talent agents uh, there in Atlanta, and I've already booked three upcoming um, projects that I'm working on. One I shoot uh, later this month. It's called Slaw. It's actually like a com- comedy parody of the of the Saw movies, and uh, I actually shoot one day with Kevin Nash. We shoot one day, and then uh, actually I think we play ourselves in the movie, and then. Um, uh, and then I shoot with Tom Savini one day. He's a legendary special effects guy. He's been in all Tarantino's movies and all that. So, so yeah, I've got that coming up. And then um, working on, believe it or not, a, a Star Trek uh, fan base film. And I haven't told anybody about this, so you guys are the first ones to, to hear about this. Uh, it's a fan base film. I, I'm not sure of the, even the name of it yet, but I'm booked two days on that to actually play like a like a Klingon type warrior in that. So I don't know if people will be able to recognize me, but. But you know, maybe I'll made up look like a Klingon, but not being that. But it's like a, a fan based movie of the original TV series. So, uh, but yeah, so so I'm doing all that. I'm staying busy. Uh, but you know, as I said at the very beginning, I mean, wrestling's in my blood. It's, it's a passion of mine. Uh, I, I truly like to help anyone who really has a passion. If anything I can do to help, uh, I, I certainly would love to. And, and and as I mentioned, like I said earlier, I, I'll be in the wrestling business somehow connected to it until my last day on this earth. I hope. 